Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Alexis the midwife. And I'm Becky the doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. We are delighted that we have a fantastic partnership this season with Sophie Le Giraffe, especially because this year is Sophie's 60th birthday. And we have some exciting things lined up in Sophie's honour across this season, including a special birthday celebration episode. If you want to see the full range of Sophie Le Giraffe products, head on over to sophielegiraffe.co.uk and in the meantime, pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Notes from the Mother Box. Today, we'd love to welcome Melissa Suffield to the show. Melissa is a mother, an actor, owner of River and Six and author of the Fuck I'm a Parent blog. Melissa, thank you for coming on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. I have to say, actually, I am... When we were looking you up, I was reading through your blog and I had so many moments of, yes, sir, like reading. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't, was... I'm not a mincer of words. Um, no. I do just tend to say whatever's on my mind. And if it resonates with people, great. And if it doesn't, also great, because yeah. <laughs> I don't actually mind, um, you know, opinions are there for a reason. And yeah. debate is good and healthy and I Definitely. enjoy it. So I would I would kind of hate it if yeah. everyone agreed with me all the time. I'd be like, yeah. I must be doing something wrong then. Yeah. <laughs> but also, if everyone thinks I'm doing a good job, I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> but it's authentic and it's real and it kind of, there's no airs and graces. And I can imagine, and we'll talk about this more as we go on today, you must have loads of people reach out to you and say, thank you for saying that because that's exactly how I feel. And now you validated mm. my feelings. Yeah, so many when I was pregnant, I kind of dipped into the blogging world like as a reader to kind mm-hmm. of go, well, you know, what's going to be the best buggy? I don't want to hear from the brand because obviously they think they've got the best buggy. Yeah, I want to yeah. hear from people who have used it. And it was the same with lots of different things. And I just never found quite what I was after. I kind of, you know, people would say, oh, this is a very, um, oh, it's an alternative blog. Oh, they're so funny. And I was like, it's not that funny or alternative I don't feel Mm. seen in this person's journey which is fine it's their journey I don't have to feel seen or catered for Mm -hmm. in everyone's writing at all but it definitely definitely wasn't what I was feeling but my Mm. journey was pretty unique Um, my partner was on the cruise ship for 22 weeks of the pregnancy so I don't really know what I was looking for (laughs) a friend um, someone to come and do my washing up I'm not sure but it was um Yeah, I didn't, I didn't kind of find what I needed to. So I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to write some stuff. (laughs) I'm just going to start writing and whatever comes out, comes out. Do you feel a little bit, because your your partner was on the cruise ship and you had this time to yourself, that in a way, by doing the blog, by that being a form of sort of like diary keeping or communication sharing, that was your sort of connection there with other people and other experiences and airing how you were feeling about things as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely handy. And to be honest, I, I don't write on the blog enough, especially now that River's mm, here. And I'm yeah. like, um, I might stretch myself <laughs> slightly too thin. Like just, just a smidge. I've definitely taken a lot onto my plate. But when I was pregnant as well, I mean, I have like drafts and drafts and drafts of blogs that mm. I haven't posted because either they're not relevant to me now and it feels disingenuous to post it when it's not mm-hmm. relevant or because I went, no, I can edit that better. And then by the time I came back to it, I was like, I'm kind of over that now. Yeah, but yeah, I don't necessarily. Totally. So, it was there's a kind of a heavy editing process just by waiting and it becoming completely defunct for the blog but um yeah I definitely need to write it more but Instagram was then even more of that because it's Mm. so instant so I could post instantly get a response instantly Mm. and that was a really good way of connecting with people as well what I like about your blog though is that Instagram can sometimes be a bit polished a bit kind Mm. of you know, like I think sometimes really real stories are really validating and um, we'll come back to it because we want to talk about feeding. But this, the blog you wrote about mastitis, I, mm. I suffered terribly with mastitis. That's um, the worst, isn't it? Oh, my God. It's I mean, it's the like I don't think I've mm. ever been that ill in my life. No. And I was reading it. It actually made me well up because it was oh, so gosh. validating. Do you know what I mean? When someone else yeah. has been through it and you're like, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really had to be careful, especially with that blog. And to be honest, any blog that I do about feeding or pumping or anything because I have to just kind of say guys I'm not a lactation consultant Mm -hmm. I'm not on any kind of level that I can give this advice to you and it's medically sound all I can do is give you my experience Mm -hmm. and you might find that my experience is bang on for what you're doing but Mm. it also might be completely the opposite I think sometimes especially new breastfeeding mums don't understand how different the journeys are they just go well Mm. if we all do the same stuff it'll all come out the same and it's like no, no. <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah. Got it's not a cookie cutter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not it a cookie cutter be. experience. No, Definitely. it's really not. So I always have to really make sure that I don't come across like I'm giving medical advice. But then I obviously spoke to a lactation consultant as well. I was like, can you yeah. add some stuff that just like a disclaimer almost and just going, you know, I'm going to give you this piece of advice. And if I'm wrong, she's going to, she's going to just make sure that, you know, this is a personal experience and not something that I'm saying, Mm. do this because it might not be right for you. And it might end up Mm. like harming your supply or just not being good for you and your baby. And that's, that's the last thing I want. And you do that really well. And I think as professionals, I really liked that you did that because sometimes we kind of read stuff and think, Oh, actually that's not Mm. factually, you know, that might be your experience, but that's quite unique or so it was really good. I I liked that you did that. Yeah, I'm absolutely certain I've done stuff that wouldn't be like a guideline, but it worked for me. So I did it, you know, like Uh, Melissa, haven't we all quite frankly, I was going to say only every day of my life. (laughs) Totally. I mean, I'm, I was hilarious as a new mum who'd been a midwife by the time I, I mean, going back 10 years ago when I had my son, I'd already been a midwife for six years by that point. And I was like, I know this is what the textbook says I should do. But I did so many things just that worked for our family that I had to like, and because I was, I had this midwife hat on and then I had this like new mum just trying to get by hat on Mm. at exactly the same time. And I got to be honest with you, nine times out of 10, new tired mum just trying to get by won the argument. Yeah, so I think. Absolutely. Well, I had to kind of, an argument would probably be too broad, but there was a woman (laughs) and she was saying, you know, never leave your baby unattended for sleep and whatever if they're under six months. And I was like, okay, at night, you know, he's not going anywhere and blah, blah, blah. And someone said, Oh, he naps in his cot for 10 minutes while I do washing up. And everyone's going, you can't do that. And I was like, I'm going to just quickly stand up for a little bit. I said, playing devil's advocate, I need a wee. My son is asleep in his Moses basket. Mm. Do I pick him up, bring him to the toilet? Or do I leave him where he is? He's mm-hmm. two months old. He ain't going anywhere. Um, <laughs> and then she was like, well, I tend to baby wear. And I was like, okay, devil's advocate again. I'm cooking bacon with a baby on my front, which is safer Cooking bacon with a baby on my front, spitting at the back of its head, or leaving him in a Moses basket in a safe room where I can hear him. Like, it was just that thing of going, they're guidelines for a reason. And while we should follow the guidelines, we don't have to stick to the guidelines. Totally agree. And I also, and this might be controversial to say, but I feel like sometimes when people point the finger at you, they're pointing the finger back at themselves because it's Mm. feelings that they have about their own motherhood journey. 
Yeah, mm. abs- I think sometimes when they you know? when they go, oh, you've got to do this, it's because they're doing mm. it and it's making them miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to they have to say, well, you've got to do it too. I can't be the only one who's doing this and feeling sad about it. But yeah, I just think everyone's journey is different, and then everyone's home is different. Everyone's life is different. Yeah. You know, my house is kind of like a cottage shape. So River is um, twelve months now, and he's off all over the place. He's walking, he's bounding around. He's literally at this present moment got a bruise on either side of his head. <laughs> where he's just stacking it into furniture but I can't oh, make I that, that living room any safer for him I have yeah. done we've got soft play we've got toys everywhere and I've had to use a travel cot and my sofa pushed in mm. to make sure he can't leave this I mean it must be about four foot by seven foot space that he has to play in because the rest of my downstairs has stone floors and a step down into the kitchen and a step up mm. to the flight of stairs I'm like I can't keep him safe here yeah. so you know, yeah. for someone else's house where they've got one of those big living rooms with space in the floor or it's an open plan thing yeah. with carpet, you know, I have to make adjustments that maybe another family wouldn't and vice yeah, versa. Definitely. And also like, who's there to support you? We can't compare ourselves. And I remember thinking, it's so funny, you get this this list of things that you need to be doing. And mm-hmm. I remember I had two kids in 18 months. So my daughter was born when my son was 18 months old. Well, hey, it's no way I can constantly be with a baby yes I wore her in a sling sometimes but not all the time and meet the needs of a one-year-old who was needing his lunch made and he was needing to help with potty training and all sorts of things going on and so suddenly you go oh well that rule about you know not leaving your baby for five or ten minutes and Mm. and you know what the interesting thing is and perhaps it's just completely obvious is that she was a baby who self-settled so well Mm. because I didn't go to her every couple of minutes and not in a mean way but just because big brother needs me for five minutes no absolutely so you're just going to have to slot into our family unit there and I think what can you do we're only human it's our saving grace just going back obviously as a midwife and doula we love a birth story how was your pregnancy and how was your birth how were the experiences for you uh, pregnancy was great. I was um, really active for uh, majority, not exercising. I hate exercise. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't running or lifting weights because I didn't do that before I was pregnant. I certainly didn't do it after. But I was super active. I was, I, I didn't slow down at all. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, make sure you take some time for yourself. I was mm. like, ah, it's boring. I haven't got the energy to use less energy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I did panto when I was... 26 to 29 weeks pregnant so I was literally on stage as Dorothy like what is she going to be like 10 because (laughs) you know your um your lungs get so squished up don't you so I've got a couple of sinks so uh, I had a few singer clients last year Mm. who were doing quite a lot of recording work and you know projecting your voice when you've got no lung capacity that was the thing so I I kind of said oh do you know what we're gonna have to possibly adapt the dancing and I'm probably gonna have to get a child to put the shoes on me because I definitely at this stage I'm too massive because I had quite a big bump as well quite early on so I was really battling against the elements but then I started doing the shows and I was like I am absolutely shittered like my lungs are dead and it's not from the dancing it's from the singing yeah <laughs> um yes, but it, yeah so it was exhausting and I finished on Christmas Eve which is also my birthday and I remember going in early and sleeping under the table because I was like I'm so tired I can't see like I actually can't see straight oh, um yeah so that was a possibly bit off more than I could chew but then within a day and a half I was like back to it so yeah I was like I'm ready to go <laughs> I've always been a little bit energized at bunny obviously I said my partner was away for from week 13 to week 33 no week 11 to week 33 mm-hmm. um and so in that time I built all the nursery furniture I painted the whole room, including the rainbow feature wall, which I love but regret um, because it was such hard work. Um, I didn't stop. So, I'd yeah, like you to come and great. stay in my house for a little while, please. Well, I have to say I'm slightly less energetic now when I look, walk past the sink and I'm like, wish I had a dishwasher. Oh. I'm like, now I'm slightly more tired all the time. But, yeah, no, I, I just didn't stop. So when my partner then came home, um, still didn't stop. I was like, mm. let's go shopping. Let's go to Canterbury. Let's let's go to London for the day and let's do what we need to do. Wow. So you had loads of energy in your pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. I think I was sleeping a lot in the first like four or five weeks. Yeah. Falling asleep at like eight on the sofa. Yeah, that tiredness mm-hmm. is yeah. unreal, isn't it? That was like, insane. I was like, I've yeah. not even done anything yet. <laughs> can't even see it. <laughs> like, what's going on? And then I towards the end was falling asleep earlier. But that was it, really. I still, when I was awake, was pretty bounding around and then it got past my g date, and I was like come on man 
like walking all the time, doing it all. And then I was 40 plus three. And that was kind of when twinges started and they ramped up really quickly. Like they went from being, oh, this is probably it. And I kind of laid a stupidly did not sleep they kicked in at 11 o'clock at night I did not fall asleep so kind of said to Robert I think this could probably be the start of it but you know go to sleep I didn't little (laughs) did I know I wouldn't sleep this was Friday evening I wouldn't sleep until Monday evening yeah this is not even a little wink I know (laughs) and can I I say this is something I always always talk about when I run my classes and I do my one-to-ones is that but hindsight is a wonderful thing isn't it Melissa Mm. yeah it's like when those twinges start even though it's really, really typical to feel like a bit nervous, a bit excited, like you're going to meet mm. your baby, like conserving your energy in those. Uh, now, you don't need to go into a deep sleep, but just resting as mm. much as you can. I always say do that at the, that point in the early part of the latent phase of labour, because when you are pushing that baby out, in 10 hours time (laughs) two days time three days time because Mm. obviously latent phase can last quite a long time for some Mm. people you'll sort of thank yourself for resting Mm. a bit more in the early bit but you know what it's so typical so so many like women and partners will say they do that it started up as being unexcited yeah wicked let's crack on like energize a bunny and moves like come on let's do it let's get going <laughs> i can um, i can imagine melissa you being like, like i've got to say around, <laughs> this is very cool but then i suddenly it was weird i kind of went to a place where i was like well if i sleep it might all stop and i was so desperate yeah. to get this little bugger out at this stage i'm so fat i'm so enormous i literally can't get comfortable sat up stood up laying down like i literally I'm so uncomfortable all the time. If I sleep, it might stop. Mm. <laughs> it might all yeah. go away. So I was like, I'm just going to stop and be very still. Just concentrate on it and see if I can will it out of me. Yeah. That didn't work. But then it got really quite intense very quickly. And I was like, oh, it must be ramping up. This must be This must be getting to that place. So we we're going out for walks. And I was physically having to stop because, mm. you know, they were pretty bad. And I realized they were coming very close together yeah oh wow so Straight I away. kind of yeah so neither one of us drives either so this was a problem and I was kind of saying you know we're going to need to like book a taxi so we don't want to be too close because I definitely don't want to give birth in a taxi <laughs> but I also don't necessarily anyway it was a whole thing so I was like let's go in because they, they were coming together they were maybe like two three minutes apart and lasting anywhere between 20 seconds and four minutes they were so weird mm. so I was like trying to time them She's going, I can't, I can't actually time them because they're mm. all over the place. So I was like, let's go yeah. in anyway. They sent me away because I wasn't even a little bit dilated. And I was like, how am I not even a bit dilated? But this is insane. I went home and just, that was it. I, they were coming, they were like five minutes long with almost no time Ooh. to breathe in the middle. I later found out he was back to back. So this makes a yeah, lot of sense. Right. <laughs> and I was like, this has been horrendous. So I literally just laid in the bath, which didn't help him being back to back at all. Mm-hmm. But it was the only place that I felt comfortable. And I was like, he's back to back. We should deal with it another time. We'll, we'll deal with it later. That's a problem for future Melissa. But present Melissa needs to be in the bath, laying down on her back right now. I'd also had a home birth visit as well, because I was quite keen on the idea of having a home birth. But mm. in the end, when let's not do that. Because, you know, it was a whole thing. I was like, oh, do you know what? Actually, let's just go to the, to the birthing centre. The hospital I gave birth at had a really lovely um, maternity-led unit, mm, a midwife-led nice. unit, sorry. And I was like, that's fine. We'll go there. Um, but then we actually called the home birthing. So I was like, I can't move. Like, I, I literally cannot get myself out of this bath into a taxi back mm. to the hospital. I can't do that. <laughs> called the home birth team. They were like, yeah, brilliant. We'll get someone out to you. 20 minutes later, we can't actually locate the second midwife so we're not going to get to you i was like what call another one they were like we literally can't get hold of her so we called another taxi went back in i was only two centimeters but they could see what state i was in they were like we're gonna pop you in a tub don't you worry um and they'd given me a sweep when i first went in as well which i think could possibly help things along as well um and then yeah i sat laboring in the tub for ages they gave me pethidine did nothing I asked for, I said, what else can I have? And they went, do you want some codeine? I was like, codeine is what I take for a headache and it rarely touches the sides. <laughs> but anyway, I went, yeah, sure. Get me the codeine. Four hours later, she comes back up and like, this is what happens when you give birth at three in the morning. There's not like, no one around. And I'm yeah. saying, Robert, can you go and find her? He's like, no, it's rude. I was like, <clears throat> I swear to God, go and find the nurse. 
So he'd wander out and go, I literally can't find her. And I was like, oh my God, I feel very alone. So I think when I was reading about birth plans and stuff, it was all, you know, be calm and you want to be on your own. I've just quickly realised being the extrovert that I am, Mm. I literally want people around me all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't mind how many hands are going up me, how many people are prodding at me. I literally don't care. I just want people to talk to all the time. And I think, had I just gone straight to labour ward, I'd have been over the moon, the baby would have been out of me almost instantly. But I was uncomfortable in being left alone. I think this again goes back to, it's not just one experience fits all. And we do talk about, you know, midwives taking a step back. And, and I actually, this is nothing I always talk about, especially when we talk about breathing um, in the second stage when, when baby's coming down. Some women want to just do it on their own and follow their body and their mm. intuition. And some women actively have said to me over the years, tell me what to do. Yeah. And I've seen mm. the look in their eyes and the look is saying, when you do that, mm. when you support me in that way, when you guide me, I feel safer yeah, and absolutely. I feel more in control. Also, yeah. I'm an actress. I love people telling me doing that I'm a good job. Like, yeah. I want people literally to go to me, oh my God, you're doing amazing. And there was no one there to validate me. I was like, how dare you for a start? I'm doing the most amazing thing. You, in you the needed world a right director, now. darling. I literally needed a director, a full audience. I needed attention badly and I didn't have it. So someone came back in and went, give me some gas and air. I can't believe I haven't asked for it by that point. I'm like, right, this is my drug of choice. And I didn't put that thing down for 12 hours and I'm, I'm literally not talking like I literally was huffing on it for 12 hours non-stop I refused to put it down I said I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna grab that cheeky epidural that you mentioned uh way back when <laughs> and they and she just went to me she looked at me and went I think you've come as far as you can I was like mm, rude but okay let's go so <laughs> that was the only time that I actually used the hypnobirthing skills that I'd done yeah. in courses and all sorts like the visualization and all of that did very little for me. I think by this point I was so far gone, yeah. I literally couldn't focus my attention on anything. And yeah. I think if Robert had tried to do like a, a light touch massage on me, I would have punched him in the throat. There is no doubt in my mind <laughs> yeah. that I would have gone off. <laughs> but I used the breathing badly for the epidural. Um, and I was very, I was the director at that point. I was like, right, a contraction is coming. So don't go near me with a big needle that could <laughs> potentially damage me. I was like, literally like, okay go go <laughs> and just go 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 um yeah. but that was like the best thing in the world and if i'm yeah. ever ridiculous enough to have another baby i will literally go four centimeters jab me up or whatever it is um and just go have it because <laughs> it, it, it made such a difference um when you need them they are amazing aren't they so with my so first i tried a home birth and mm. then i think eight, i got stuck she was back to back so mm. it was like you stop start really painful mm. and and then I think at about eight centimetres, she was getting tired. I was getting tired. And we were like, okay, let's just go in. Yeah. And uh, I remember kind of saying to my husband, I just, I'd, I'd heard the list of um, possible side effects from the epidural so many times. I'm like, I don't want that. And he's like, mm. cool, cool. And Bob was like, you literally didn't care. The guy was yeah. reading out. All the, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, just give me the pen. Give me the pen. Let me sign it. Yeah, that's literally what I did <laughs> Let as well. Let me sign it. I said, Robert, can you deal with that? He gave me this like laminated piece of paper. I was thinking, these women must be sick over this piece of paper all the time. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I was like, Robert, can you just read this? Advocate for me. That was your whole job. Advocate, advocate. <laughs> um, anyway, that went in. That was great. I sent Robert out to get me a KFC. That was good. And I had um, the midwife and also we had... Um, a student midwife as well they came in chatted to me for ages I'm like this is the experience I'm here for basically a hospital stay at this point I'm having a wonderful time then they were like we're gonna pop your waters because I haven't gone mm-hmm. did that crazy amounts of meconium in there like crazy oh, amounts really? so they were like okay so we're gonna like yeah. speed things along a little bit and we're gonna we're gonna get you pushing at um 2 p.m we're gonna come back and we're gonna start pushing it took the full they were like you've got two hours and then it would be, we'll be off to theatre. And he literally was born three minutes before, like wow. two hours. Oh. And this kid was caked in poo. <laughs> he yeah. was caked in it. Oh, and it's so sticky, isn't it? It that- was foul. It was absolutely <laughs> gross. But I was like, I was just like, I'm so tired. Although, to be honest, that whole pushing, I it didn't feel like it was two hours at all because the epidural was still in effect. I was just kind of just going... Is it okay? <laughs> like you wouldn't yeah. to know to see my face. And Robert said it was like it was like the calmest thing I've seen in my life. You wouldn't oh. know you, you were giving birth at all until the last oh. ten minutes where the epidural was wearing off. And I was and the, I was yeah. doing that classic, I can't do it. But I think yeah. everyone was going, Oh, I can't do it, you know, it's too much pressure, whatever. And I was like, No, I can't do it because I'm going to tear from my vagina to my arsehole. I was like, I can't do oh, this. Yeah. I was like, Oh my god, oh my god, yeah. that's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> 
I was like, I can't do that. I was very specific about that is what I meant when I can't do it. It wasn't yeah. the whole experience. It was very much that bit, but I did do it and it was all right. Um, Amazing. So anyway, they took him off to be cleaned up. So there was no delayed cord clamping or whatever. But I mean, I know it's a standard, but I hadn't even taken my birth plan out of my bag. So I like didn't yeah. rest on that too much, but mm. it was more important that they suck a load of poo out of his ears and his eyes. So yeah. <laughs> oh, like, gross. the river. I know. The and then they handed, me, handed him back to me and started to try and initiate a feed like almost instantly but I was being stitched up at the same time for a mm. second degree tear and I literally I'm holding a baby in about and I kid you not about seven towels so I was like mm. I can't even get my arm around him yeah. let alone yeah, yeah, do this yeah. thing that I've never done before and don't know how to do I've also holding the gas and air which I am not putting down anytime no, soon yeah. because you've literally got a needle at me and I'm being stitched and I can fully feel that because the epidural is completely worn off so I was like I literally went so I take the baby face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I find that happens it. a lot. You know, we we mm. talk yeah. so much about skin to skin, which is lovely, and there's definitely, you know, absolutely, there's a wonderful mm. place for it. But I have to say, I did that. I had to tear each time, mm. and I couldn't have them putting the lignocaine in the local anaesthetic mm. whilst like cuddling my baby because it made me feel too on edge yeah, so I have absolutely. to say each time and I remember with Wolfie actually our littlest one it was a second degree and I and I was stitched afterwards and they left me for quite a while but when it came to doing it I just I had to hand Wolf over mm. take some gas and air and just like be present and focus on just a little bit like yeah. you do in when you're in labour I had to do the hypnobirthing breathing to get through that stitching for sure. the bits up absolutely yeah. same I had to, yeah. that again yeah. was kind of it was the epidural yeah. and it was the stitching and that was pretty much the only times oh and mm. then breastfeeding through nipple trauma and mastitis was another time that I used that upbringing and that was it that's the only time I've used the breathing probably should have employed it a bit more but yeah I literally said Robert shirt off baby have it (laughs) yeah exactly and that's the thing isn't it I think I think we what we have to remember is that skin to skin can be with anyone it can Mm. be with you know a family member a partner whatever Mm. and that we have we have our sort of birth preference list but we but it really does depend on what plays out. And I had this yeah. whole image of like, you know, you you imagine meeting your baby and having them placed on you and mm. you see it in the movies where the women look perfect. Oh, and kind of, natural, beautiful. And, you know, feminine. I had my legs up in stirrups <laughs> and they put the baby on me. And the first thing I said was, I want to be sick. And I just had to hand the baby mm. over. And then I was massively mm. sick. So yeah. it was just imagine like... Imagine you meet your baby and vomit all over their face. <laughs> I mean, I personally think that's a great initial meeting. I think that's very funny uh, and one, one to bonding, write about. Very bonding. <laughs> very bonding. <laughs> You're never going to get more intimate than that, are you? But also, you can have your skin to skin at a later date as well if you yeah, need to. Like, absolutely. yes, there's there's the first hour, but you know what? You've got your rest of your life with River, and oh, we absolutely. have with our children. I was pleased that Robert did the skin to skin. To be honest, um, I've got four younger sisters. The youngest one, there's only an eight year difference between us, so I'm very well versed wow. with babies and kids in general. I was yeah. like, I'm first time mum, but I feel like a second time mum whose first kid is maybe like twelve. I feel like I've forgotten yeah. stuff rather than learning it. Um, like nappies and feeding and all that Mm. I I was coming from a place of quite quite good knowledge but Robert had never held a baby before River so I was (laughs) like it was quite nice actually and actually afterwards they were like do you want baby back and I was like I actually feel a bit sparkly um that's the best way I can put it like my whole body's twiddling a bit and they were like you need Mm. to go for a wee I was like I can't do anything at the moment I can't actually (laughs) get up or do a thing Mm, um I'm a bit my whole body and face and mind is a bit you know, spangly. So Robert held him for like three hours, but he held him like um, like he was uh, made of glass. <laughs> and then he kind oh, of relaxed. Yeah. And the midwife came in and went, do you want us to make you more comfortable? And he was like, yes, oh. <laughs> um, But it was good. And then we got to stay there for a day and they actually popped us back over in the midwife-led unit and Brilliant. put us in a room with a double bed and a private bathroom. I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. I think by that point they'd be like, this girl has been in and out of this place. She had a bit of a rough one <laughs> and <laughs> and she's made us all laugh in the interim somehow. <laughs> so we're going to pop her back in this bed because um, River hadn't done a wee yet. So they kept us in until he did. And they were like, if he's mm-hmm. not done it in 24 yeah. hours, you know, then we've got to look at stuff. And he literally, again really took us right up to the wire and did the biggest wee in the world all over the bed of like 23 hours. And then we went home and then they went, here, have a baby, take it home. And I was like, oh my God. Now oh this is God. the bit though, isn't it? Because we focus so much on the birth. We focus mm. on what that's going to look like, what control we can have over it, all of these sorts of things. And then we end up going home with our baby. And mm. Becky and I talk about this all the time, even though we'd been birth workers 
for many years before both of us had mm. babies, it still blindsides us mm. having to go home with a new baby and think, so this is forever. It's 24 hours a day ongoing. What do I do with this little person? Mm. How was the postnatal? And when I talk about postnatal period, I mean, you're still in it in, in our eyes, to yeah. be honest with you. Mm. But but initially, those first, say, you know, six to 12 weeks after mm. taking River home, what was that like for you? What was that journey like? Um, it was... It was actually all right, but obviously it came alongside COVID. Mm -hmm. So we, when he was born, I was sending Robert out every day to the supermarket just to try and find like some bread. (laughs) I was like, go, go hunting. And I was like making him strip off at the door, like sanitise his whole body. I was like, go and shower now before you come back down. Like it was, um, I didn't go outside for weeks and weeks. And even then I just went up uh, walk up and down this was first lockdown wasn't it of course yeah, so and it was so scary and the world was then was such it? a crazy t- place oh, yeah. i actually think in the weeks say a week and a half to six weeks in to first lockdown was probably the weirdest time because even before mm. we were in lockdown is when the toilet rolls and the supermarkets yes. because i remember the night before i uh, started having the contractions on the thursday at 9 p.m i said should yeah. we go to aldi on the train yeah. because I just, I don't feel great. But luckily I had meal prepped from Christmas onwards and put it in the freezer because I was like, I don't want to leave the house. So God knows how I knew there was a pandemic coming. I was just prepping (laughs) for motherhood. Like, so we were were pretty good for lots of stuff and it was okay. We literally had like 40 toilet rolls in the house anyway. So it was, was you know, as luck should have it. And also one of my massive anxieties was having people turn up unannounced or feel like Mm. I couldn't say no to them and then I was like oh my god you legally can't touch my baby (laughs) this has worked out phenomenally quite a few new mums have have quite liked that haven't they Becky yeah I think I think so many of so many um second time mums I've worked with who really struggled with Mm. having boundaries and just and because obviously you don't want to say no to people because people Mm. are excited but to the detriment then they've been tired and they've said this time round it's although obviously the pandemic is awful this time round it's been amazing because there's been that boundary there that they don't even have to you know and I didn't so, have yeah. to be the one that enforced it either. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there was no awkwardness. It was that was just You're like, the babes, it's illegal. I don't know. So I'll see sorry. you in a few or I'll call the police. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. So that was actually great. Um, also, Robert was retu- uh, due to return to uh, the cruise ship where he works in May on the eighth. So he was only going to be around for seven weeks, and then he was going to leave for four and a half months. And as luck has it if you look at it one way if you look at it another way we've not had jobs for a year (laughs) but if you look at it one way he's been around for a year yeah Um, he would have missed uh first smiles he would have missed laughing all sorts of stuff in that four and a half months and that's huge melissa absolutely lovely he was around for that yeah Yeah. he's he's not missed a thing amazing which is which is lovely so yeah i really enjoyed the postnatal period um we got our 24 hour visit from the midwife still I had a lactation consultant come out the next day we still had that and then I got my five-day check and then lockdown kicked in two days later so that was it (laughs) there was no more (laughs) no more things no more his his red book's got one way in um he's had all his jabs isn't it um but other than that we've had nothing crazy I know but it's good because actually they say you know your instinct will kick in and it did and I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying about like guidelines Mm. as well you can't say your instinct's going to kick in and then tell people that they're doing it wrong. And actually what we find is that lots of people's intuition is completely squashed down because mm. they're so caught up in trying to do it perfectly and follow this guy yeah. and they say you have to do that. And and actually, even amongst us professionals, we've all got slightly conflicting, mm. you know, we've all got different ideas of how things should be done or could be done. And You'll have the guideline in front of you, but then you'll also have the experience of being parents. You'll go, Absolutely. well, this is what the guideline says, this is what I did. And I have to find some yeah. middle ground where I can like give mm. advice to people and not be disingenuous but yeah yeah I mean there's been all sorts of stuff from you know don't put them in jumperoos and I was like River's been in the jumperoo since he was 13 weeks because he had the craziest head strength of any child I've ever met like (laughs) and also he's just he's been super alert since the second he was born like he literally barreled out of me covered like caked in poo and had his eyes wide open and didn't shut them for like hours. <laughs> just mm, like looking so around alert. and just so alert. And everyone who came in went, so alert. And I was like, I yeah. know, there's something wrong with him. Like, is he all right? Um, <laughs> he's definitely more alert than I am at this stage. I had a jump through. I used it with all three of mine when they were little. And um, I can't hear the song of it anymore. 
oh, you know that little tinkly, off. you know the we song. Turned, yeah, we turned that music off and the, the bong, bong, yes, that had to go. Yeah. I was like, I can't listen to that. So I, I was like, I'd rather listen to Hey Bear Sensory for three hours straight because yeah. at least the, the song changes. But yeah, no, he loved that. It was a sad day when we had to put that away. It got to a point where I was like, we stand him up against the sofa and he just starts jumping. I was like, "Mm, he's never going to learn to walk if he just jumps. So (laughs) let's, you know, let's strengthen his legs back up in a different way again. But yeah, I think you just have to do what works for you at the time. I couldn't have done parenting without the TV and the jumperoo for a chunk of time there. Like, there's no way. I I wouldn't be able to get through the summer. (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. We hope you're enjoying our chat with Melissa so far, but now for a little ad break, because Lex and I want to tell you a little more about the fabulous Sophie Le Giraffe and why she's so popular with babies all around the world. Thanks to her shape and size, Sophie Le Giraffe is perfect for your gorgeous baby's little hands. She's very light, her long legs and neck make her easy for your baby to grip, even from their earliest days. And now back to the second part of our brilliant chat with Melissa. We talk about this quite a lot, Lucky and I, that this conflict between obviously looking at like uh, attachment parenting and having babies with you all the time but actually the the cultures that that derives from are where people live in villages and tribes and mm. there's people around all the time to mm-hmm. pass your baby to yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's amazing and don't get me wrong like babies do need to be on us and they need to kind of you know smell us and hear us and all that but we also do need to have a break and we don't live like tribes we exactly. don't we, we they spend isolated. all their time no. together they spend exactly. all their time focused on you know primal things ultimately we have our phones jobs supermarket trips absolutely our world is not a village raising world it just down to your friends might breastfeed your baby your sister your best friend i wish someone would if your baby needs feeding that would have been the best thing for me wet nurse me I was like, I don't want to do it. I know, me too. Said, there's me not a market too. for wet nurses anymore in the UK, know, particularly. It's Victorian, it's isn't it? It's a real shame. We should crack that one back open. I would have literally given any savings I had to for, mm. you know, because, I mean, I'd like to talk to you about breastfeeding, actually. Mm. So I obviously worked in the birth world for years and years and years before I had my baby, and I really wanted to breastfeed. Mm. And I had seen loads of women breastfeeding. I knew it wasn't completely plain sailing, but the course, bearing in mind that my eldest is 15, so it was a long time ago now, the course that I did, the the video that we watched on breastfeeding had a woman breastfeeding her baby whilst rowing a boat across a lake, smiling. Oh, with stop her. it. I'm not fucking joking, seriously. <laughs> Blowing in the wind. And oh my, my breastfeeding, it was so oh bad. And I God. was I had to so get Robert to sit in front of me in case I threw River across the room. Yeah. I was in so I much know. pain. I was like, you I have to be ready to catch if I drop. Yeah. <laughs> It was so painful for me and I had nipple trauma, and amastitis. Mm. They thought I had an abscess. I had to go to the breast clinic and have a scan. I was determined mm. and I think I would do it very differently now. But I had this thing of like, no, I must breastfeed. I must breastfeed to the point where she would cry and my whole body would tense up and mm. I would sort of shake slightly and I would have mm. to get Barney to hold my hand while I latched her on. Yeah. Now, luckily... I had a word myself. I reached out to a lactation consultant. I learned an amazing tip about combing your breast, mm-hmm. um, which we have in our book, actually, that really helped me to clear the mastitis. So I didn't have to keep taking antibiotics. But the first time I got mastitis was the illest I think I've ever felt. Mm. I know that we need women, we want women to breastfeed and we want to kind of um, encourage them. But I almost feel like we set them up to feel like they're failing by not saying it can be really difficult and not giving them enough information. I think my most hated phrase from the whole of motherhood is if you're doing it right, it won't hurt. Bullshit. It's going (laughs) to hurt because you're going to go from something not sucking on your nipple yeah. sometimes all the bloody day long yeah. and suddenly you're going to do so- have something that does do that. There's going to yeah. be some mm-hmm. degree of pain yeah. as your nipples callous. Like I was saying nice. to Robert the other day, 
I said, when I don't play my ukulele for like three months and then I pick it up, my fingers really hurt. So I have to yeah. put it down yes. for five minutes. And then yeah. after three or four days, they go a bit tough and then I can play for ages. And it's exactly the same, except my fingers are a lot less sensitive than my nips. So I was like, no wonder this is awful. But no. it was the mastitis and the clogged up was one thing and that was extremely painful. So I ended up relying quite heavily on the pump to clear it because I was like, I can always latch the pump because ironically his latch must have been crap but he was always super well fed from it Mm. (laughs) he had no issue he was not like spluttering or coming off and being like i'm not getting enough he had a wonderful feed every time he latched on he had a lovely time i didn't but he had a lovely time Mm. did you have people check your latch um i had one zoom call with a lactation consultant obviously no one could come out all i really wanted was someone to just come and like grab my boot grab my baby and do it for me but I yeah. couldn't have that. There was no hands-on help at all. So mm. I had like a Zoom thing, but I was holding the phone, trying to hold the wriggliest, mm. strongest baby I've ever held in my life. I was like, this isn't working. And there was always this thing of, you know, use the pump then, but, you know, get back to the breast, back to the breast. And I was like, I never left the breast. <laughs> the pump yeah. is still, it's just, yes. it's just a go-between. Yeah. And it then got to a point where I was, I was actually quite indignant. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to pump. This is actually working really yeah. well. I know exactly what he's eating. Like, exactly. I don't have to assume based on dirty nappies or whatever like that. Yeah. I'm really in control of this situation. I'm well in control. And, you know, I was saying, oh, oh, I always wanted to breastfeed. And it's now a point that I'm really strong on. Pumping is breastfeeding. We say to people when they are nursing, they say, you know, oh, but if you need to go to work, you can always pump milk. Well, you wouldn't tell that mum that she's not breastfeeding. Mm. Because as far as I'm concerned, breast milk, breastfed. If my tit made milk and I fed it to my baby, (laughs) I breastfed my kid. And I think there's a culture, and I could talk about this for hours, but I think there's probably a culture that, you know, for me, I would like to see wording changed. I would like to see breastfeeding become a much more wider arching umbrella term. And I would like to see nursing be the Mm. word that we use for Mm. feeding at the boob and pumping to be this, but breastfeeding to mean both. Because there isn't, there is so many, there are loads of women who exclusively pump in the UK, but there is like little to no support for them. Any bit of literature on the NHS website is about pumping when you return to work or pumping if you want someone to feed a bottle. There's nothing if you pump and you need to set a schedule. You need to understand about power pumping. You need to understand about building a supply and Mm -hmm. dropping dropping a pump and weaning slowly or how to do that. There's absolutely nothing for them. So thank God for America and their shit maternity leave because oh, all yes, these women, true, actually. so yeah. many women over there that have to exclusively pump and there's a massive like online community of women who yeah. will help you but it's never oh, that's interesting. never medical help. It's always women yeah. like me who are offering support but there's never, yeah. and even when you talk to like lactation consultants sometimes it's, it's really tough to get them to understand what you mean. I spoke mm. to my GP, went, and is baby breastfed? And I kind of felt myself floundering and going, um, yes, but from a bottle. And he like did not get it at all. Mm. And I was like, it's quite an easy concept, mate. I pump it into a <laughs> bottle and then I put it in my baby's mouth. So I've become very, um, and even though I weaned now, I finished weaning last week. I'm now really like, this is my point that I'm going to keep hammering on with. Um, yeah. And if it didn't take such a long time and such a lot of hard work <laughs> that I yeah. quite frankly don't have the time for, I would genuinely start thinking about becoming like a lactation consultant of some to Mm. some degree but not to offer nursing support because there's so many people doing that but to offer pumping support for the women that do do it because it just isn't there did you hire a double pump i didn't hire a double pump i already had one um i already had but i bought it secondhand on ebay and very quickly burned the motor out because obviously it'd be used and pumps are not really designed to be used exclusively but i should if i was to do it again I'd probably give nursing another go, knowing what I know, mm-hmm. but I would probably end up switching to exclusively pumping because I'm absolutely know where I'm at with it. And I yeah, would yeah. hire a hospital grade pump at least for the first 12 weeks just because of trying to make my life as easy as possible, really. And I know that it mm. could be good, but I had a double electric. I used that the whole time. I didn't even have a manual pump in the house. I had a hacker thing, but mm. I didn't really, that was mainly for when I was nursing for just catching the yeah. other side. Because I found sometimes when I took him off one boob and put him on the other, he was like, no, now I play. <laughs> so I was like, we yeah. have to do a whole feed on one side. So I had to kind of pump the other side at the same time for those few weeks. But yeah. But you found, it feels like you found your rhythm though. You found your, oh, absolutely. You know, your way I'm, of doing things and it worked for you for I'm sure. I'm a massive advocate for exclusive pumping. Um, like I'm under no illusion that 
the best thing and you know i know we say breast is best or fed is best or whatever like the the best thing for a baby is breast milk directly from the boob no one's ever going to say that that's not the ideal thing they could drink because literally science has made that the ideal thing that they can drink but it's fine taking it from bottle do you know what i mean it's absolutely fine you know people say oh you know your milk like won't react in the same way though because of the saliva that gets sucked in i was like right for a start that's a lot of conjecture anyway there's not much science on that you can read every paper under the sun it's it's kind of assumed but all i know is that when i pumped milk when he was ill it was a completely different color to when he wasn't so i didn't need his saliva to tell me i was ill and i think what people forget is that if he's ill i'm probably not ill but we've been exposed to the same stuff so my body's not presenting Mm. as ill because my immune system's strong but i'm still producing the same antibodies that he needs because we're in the same place yeah, because you get it from when you're kissing them as well, exactly. don't you? When you're picking them up and kissing them. If there's yeah. bacteria on their skin, you would ingest mm. that and your milk will kind of deal with that as well. Well, nursing is obviously amazing. And I would encourage everyone who thinks that they can to at least give it a go. Mm. I definitely think this. there are no studies into exclusive pumping, basically. It doesn't, it doesn't mm. exist on the scientific mm. radar. And I just wonder if it did, if people wouldn't feel bad about doing it. A lot of these groups on Facebook, you know, absolutely no mention of direct nursing whatsoever because it can be really triggering for a lot of women. And that wasn't for me at all. Um, But I can understand why it would be for some people. But I would love for it to be a place where people go, I'm choosing to do this. And it's not from a place of a failing. Oh, I just hate that idea of failing. I know. I I don't feel like I failed at all. I feel like I thrived. I actually think making the choice to switch to exclusive pumping was probably, I would say, one of the strongest and most confident decisions I've made in my whole life because Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, I've taken a proper, like, topic (laughs) and Mm -hmm. flipped it on its head, made a choice that was right, not only for me, my family, my lifestyle and my kid. I didn't Mm -hmm. have anyone to guide me. I've had no one telling me it's a good idea (laughs) and I'm doing it anyway. And I was like, wow, I feel, like, proper empowered now yeah and that was like, like a that is intuition. Really intuition yeah that's that intuition right for you and then also having to change and adapt as I went you know it wasn't like oh what should I do I, I want to drop a pump what should I do it was like I have mm. to learn this shit on my own I have to get mm. out there I have to get online and I have to do it myself I've got to put the time in so I, I worry for the women who want to do it who don't have a lockdown or just the mm. one kid or support at yeah. home that they can't put that time in I want there to be resources easily available to the women yeah. who feel like they've had to do this. Melissa, you know? <laughs> with all the other things you're doing, I'm not sure you have time to also do wetnurse.com. No, I know, I know, I don't. And, That's my and problem. pump.com. <laughs> I know, that is my problem. I always try and help women on Instagram though. I do, you yeah. know, I've yeah, always said, great. anyone who's pumping, please speak to me. I can't yeah. give you medical advice. I can just tell you what I did and whether it was good or it yeah. was bad and then you can try it. Mm-hmm. But I'm always here yeah. to help. I always put them onto the Facebook groups that were a massive help to me as well. So I'll always kind of make sure that they're getting some support somewhere because I don't want anyone to feel like it's a struggle. Melissa, can we also talk about that article that you wrote for Grazia about body positivity? (laughs) Because this is another thing that piqued our interest, to be honest Mm. with you, which again comes back to this idea of knowing yourself Mm. and seeing what's out there and just for some reference, people who haven't perhaps read it, who might be listening was it was an article talking about sort of this culture of really loving your postnatal body mm. and the fact that it, the whole concept of it didn't entirely feel right for you because even though you appreciated and loved your body mm. for what it had done, making and birthing River, mm-hmm. you afterwards didn't feel entirely at home in your new post-birth no, body. Not at all. Can um, you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, in the first few weeks... I was like really loving it. I was like, oh my God, it's like Jelly Belly is hilarious. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. And I thought it was really funny. Um, I wore like, I was wearing high-waisted skirts and crop tops. I was like, mm. I have absolutely no business wearing these, but I'm doing it anyway. And then I think as time went on, they kind of went, oh, you know, you can probably exercise again from now. Or you can probably do this again from now. And I was like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just eating everything that I say. Were you a bit like, I didn't do that beforehand, so yeah, let alone exactly, doing it now? Exactly. I was like, I had like, like all the energy in the world and I wasn't going for runs. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to do it now that I'm tired. Like, there's no way. Um, 
And also it's something I think I've wrote about in the article as well. My hips are even mm. now obliterated. And it's yeah. only since starting to wean that I've noticed some strength coming back because obviously I didn't know that relaxing yeah. was still a whole thing. So no wonder I can't walk down the stairs. So I felt disconnected from myself because my body wasn't working and I couldn't exercise to feel like I was healthy because my hips were hurting. Mm. There were just lots of things that were at play and I was like, I really don't appreciate how I look right now. I feel very disconnected mm. from how I feel, more to mm. the point. You know, my body is its not letting me down because it's done an amazing thing, but I, I'm feeling like I'm stuck behind myself. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like I, yeah. I need to get past that. And all it was is, you know, I was constantly being told, I mean, not told people into Daily Mail comments mm. threads and not exactly telling me anything other than that they're <laughs> incredibly sad and need to get a life. But, you know, she's so ungrateful. I went through rounds of IVF oh, and had seven uh... miscarriages. I'm like, right, for a start, that's very sad. For a second, your yes. journey has bugger all to do with mine. So I'm very sorry, but you're not going to invalidate how I mm. feel based on that, based on because you think I'm living a charmed life because I've got this, that and the other. It's not true. Mm. You can probably walk down your stairs while holding a baby instead of having to Mm. bump down on your bum (laughs) like a child. Do you know, that's really interesting that you should say that, Melissa, because I've come across that lots and I'm just going to put my hand up and say, you know, I went through infertility Mm -hmm. to get my first son and it was it was long it was arduous it was sad it my dad died in the middle of it all I'm not saying this is a pity party but it was bloody awful to be perfectly Mm. honest with you Mm. and finally I had him Mm -hmm. but that didn't stop me from finding it really bloody hard when he arrived yeah Mm. and feeling like I mean you could knock me over with a feather the shock of those early days and the amazingness of it but the tiredness and how I could cope than actually having feelings of like, I shouldn't feel this way because we wanted him for so long and I had fertility treatment to get here. Isn't helpful for anybody, no, is it? it it's almost like saying, yeah. well, you got what you wanted. So time to buck up, time to yeah, deal with it. Yeah, pipe like, down and so get on with it. Does that basically mean then that anyone who's gone through any struggle, whether that's a difficult birth or struggling to get pregnant, they're not mm. allowed to like have a moan about it after is that what you're saying no no mm. one would bloody mm. say that it's so silencing, they do. isn't it i have lots of ladies who have birth trauma or who mm. actually have you know maybe body image stuff has come up maybe they've struggled in the past with body image and how they feel about themselves and and then they feel guilty and i say to them listen they're two separate things mm. how you feel about your birth or how you feel about your body has no relation to how you feel about your baby no, that's a very separate relationship mm. your relationship with what's happened to you is separate and you're allowed to feel all those feelings and it makes me feel when people turn on mums all the time yeah. we mustn't shut down people's feelings we no. mustn't tell no. people what they are and are Honestly. not allowed to feel it's, it's so poisonous annoying. doing that it's poisonous mm. it shuts people down it takes their voice away if something is triggering for you or you find it makes your heart hurt mm. it's not your terminal you go and find the support you need yeah. and that you deserve somewhere mm. else exactly but i think yeah. that i think we cannot cancel people out shut them down and tell them that whatever they're feeling isn't valuable no and exactly valid. and when i wrote the i mean the article was kind of a longer version of an instagram post that i'd written and the feedback from women underneath was not mm. you know i wasn't doing it to fish for compliments they weren't going oh my god but you look amazing it was oh my God, I fully understand how you feel. And I don't feel like I fit into any camp. It was, you know, I don't feel like I can claim body positivity because, you know, I might not be traditionally fat. So therefore, Mm. if I want to lose weight, does that make me fat phobic? You know, am I not happy to Mm -hmm. be fat? For me, I was a pretty svelte and very energized um, Mm. eight to 10. And now I wouldn't even hazard a guess at what I am because I can't even get into a changing room to try any clothes on. <laughs> so I just wear just, elasticated clothes all the time yeah, these yeah, days. Exactly. It's difficult to, it's difficult to gauge. <laughs> that's bang on. That's exactly what it is. Um, it was just the feedback from people just going, I know what you mean. Like, I appreciate what my body's done, but I do not appreciate it in the mirror. Um, mm-hmm. I miss my jeans that maybe look great a year ago. Mm. Or I miss that top that I can't wear because I'm constantly having to pull a top down to breastfeed. Or I, mm-hmm. I miss this that and the other and I think it's okay to miss yourself and be sad about it because Mm. no one can prep you for how much is your life's going to change let's be real my life has changed for the better you know it has absolutely changed for the better I feel if it was ever possible more confident I feel more grounded in my beliefs Mm. I feel much more open to airing them which is 
probably to my detriment most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've gained a lot of confidence. That's transition, isn't it? And it's getting yeah. used to everything that's happened to us. And that takes a long time to Yeah, process. I think we talk about the fourth trimester and that's amazing because that is a really valid time. But we don't just, our babies don't turn three months old and we just like suddenly, hey, oh, human again. No. Like rivers a year. No. And I absolutely still I feel sometimes like I just had it. Oh. Like, I'm like, I'm yeah. so postnatal. <laughs> I can't, I can, no, but yeah, I you are. And, and I very, very much believe, I frankly, I'm sorry, I'm putting it out there. My son is going to be five in April, my youngest of three. Mm. And I am postnatal. Yeah. Maybe we need to get t shirts made. Yeah, we are. I'm postnatal and you're like 70 years old. I want to do a flash mob where we all stand up. No, I'm postnatal. No, I'm postnatal. And then we all go round. Can you organise it? I I definitely feel like I'm the one who can organise that. But yeah, I think there's no cutoff for when our baby stops being a baby. Just because they're a toddler, just because they're starting school, you're a different journey. Yes parenting life if you're I think sometimes as well if you're a stay-at-home mum I don't think you're ever going to stop being postnatal because you go from being not a mum to being a mum all the day long (laughs) and that switch is what happens in the beginning you go from not being a mum to suddenly being a mum yeah I think when people transition there then they go well I'm not being a mum for a little while you know I still am a mum and I've still got parent you know Mm. my kids in my mind all the time but I'm also concentrating on this but if you're at home with your baby all the time you are only mum at that time yeah so I think you're always going to feel postnatal as long as you're around your kids that frequently especially Mm. um definitely yeah I think there definitely needs to be it's not even support because I think you know by a year lots of us have kind of got up got handle on our day and you know we we haven't they're all different let's face it but we all yeah kind of know you know they're probably going to wake up around this time probably going to go to bed at this time but it would be great if there was just an acceptance or an understanding from other people of just going, do you know what? They couldn't answer the phone and I get it. Or do you know what? They're just having a Mm. shit day. Let's just let them have their shit day. Exactly. Anything goes. I always say that to new mums. Whenever you make plans, just have a caveat that you, if you've had a rubbish night, if you're just not feeling it, you're allowed to cancel. Like Mm. there has to be a kind of an allowance for for people. And I think people worry as well. They go, you know, Oh, I mean, to be fair, a lot. Most of my friends don't have children. Mm-hmm. They're all um, older, or all their children are grown up. Mm. Most of my friends are like mid forties onwards, because um, that's the people I connect with. <laughs> I have like very few <laughs> friends my own age. A bit of an old soul, and most of them are like single, fabulous, child free. And I was like, oh my god, shit! I'm going to literally lose all my friends because I'm going to have very little in common with them all of a sudden. But it hasn't worked out like that at all, and Brilliant. it's great. But I also know if I couldn't make the Zoom call or couldn't make the whatever, they would never hold that against me. Mm, but I think yeah. there, was su- there was such a worry for people that that will happen, um, mm. that they sometimes feel like they have to force themselves to be the old version of themselves. And yeah. I miss the old version of myself all the time. She was a right laugh. She was like proper funny <laughs> and she was really enjoyable to be around. And she was always the person that went, let's go somewhere new and would just like rally the troops. <laughs> oh, Melissa, the same as well, because I had my, we had our first baby when we were 28. Mm. I've been with my husband since we were 17. We met at Sixth Form College and we had a bloody brilliant time in our 20s. We travelled loads. I was working at Big London Hospital. We used to go out for dinner every, you know, so often after work, we'd catch a show. We just were living this wonderful, enriched, really privileged, I've got to be honest, really, really privileged, wonderful life. And we travelled lots. And loads of our friends were in London at the time as well. And so when I had my first child, I put my hand up and say there was a grieving process for me because I missed it. I Mm. did. I was, and again, this comes off the back of a fertility journey. So I wanted it so much. And I was a midwife for goodness sake. Mm. And going through pregnancy, birthing, having a new baby had, was so wonderful in so many ways. But the old Alexis was also allowed to say, can I just put my hand up? Yeah. I, I kind of miss what we used to do. It's like, and I think that, that again, like that's all right. It's isn't as though it? they've died. Yeah. It's as though yeah, they've died, but they're actually still there, which kind of makes it sadder because they haven't, yeah. you know, if they died, you'd be like, right, closure. We, you know, we're going to, 
close the chapter we're going to move on and we, you know we're going to remember them fondly but you know we're going to move forwards but they're not actually dead <laughs> that person is still very much within you so then you're Absolutely. like, then you're like yeah. shit do i have to like let her out occasionally is she just a prisoner <laughs> you what do, do. I do here? So, yeah but yeah. then lockdown comes along and i can't do it anyway well yeah, yeah quite. So you can't, no but then but then no one can do anything so it's okay yeah. isn't it? not missing out on anything i don't know whether that's made it easier or harder to be honest yeah can we ask you about your... You've got a clothing brand, haven't do, you? Yeah. River, River and Six? That's me. So we had a little peek. It's brilliant. What, what led you to set that up? Um, lots of things, really. It was always something I toyed with the idea of. And then as lockdown went on and on and on, and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> we definitely are not bringing any money into our home. Now, thank God, mm. Robert had saved really well because otherwise we would have... Mm. not made it through this year like that's a fact know, we would have spent out on our asses it? yeah it's been crazy the industries that we work in which is performance and cruising don't exist <laughs> like, yeah, so know. you know there's been two but you've been hit dropped. so hard by it yeah badly mm. um we've taken mm. the brunt of it and somehow been quite smiley <laughs> throughout the whole thing yeah. I, I, you know by some miracle but yeah so i was kind of shopping for clothes for river because his wardrobe is something I'm deeply passionate about. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's just not quite what I want. And I love matching him, love matching him, but it's always a bit cheesy. And there's just this one font that I just hate and it's on every T-shirt, Mama. Mm. And it's like kind of half script. Oh my God, I hate it. So I was like, I just need something that I would wear. And it's less so much yeah. something that River would wear, but it's something I want to wear. Mm-hmm, and then yeah. a baby version of it. So that's kind of how I started off. Um, and then it. now it's just kind of evolved a little bit. So it's just whatever I'm feeling at the time. I basically put on a T-shirt. So I just recently launched one that's Anyone Could Be a Feminist. Because, again, the whole ethos of my brand is that it's not so much that it's gender neutral, it's it's gender free. You yeah. know, I raise River to just be a kid. He's just a baby, yeah. you know. And, you know, I still call him boy and he's a he and he's this, that and the other. But there's not a lick of blue in his wardrobe. There's no car mm. painted on a mm. wall. that He hasn't got a jumper with a JCB on it. Like, that's <laughs> for some reason appropriate for a baby. Um, there's very few, like, dinosaurs and stuff. Um, yeah. He absolutely loses his shit when the My Fairy Garden advert comes on in between YouTube. <laughs> like, you know, we just we just live whatever, you know, we just do whatever. Yeah. And I just wanted to create a brand that also allowed for that, you know, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, if you have a baby boy dressing them head to toe in blue and buying them only cars and diggers and stuff, but it can get quite toxic. On that fairy front, I have to tell you something really cute that happened yesterday. You just reminded me. We were walking um, back from the boys' school and there's a house on the way down the road towards our car that the front garden is full. She obviously collects fairies, right? So she's got absolutely hundreds of them in there and Toby as my eldest son was walking beside Wilf and Wilf goes Toby look at all the fairies and Toby so genuinely and I knew that he did it for Wilf went that is so cool and it was just this really (laughs) adorable moment and I just thought boys you know little brotherhood there it's so lovely when and I think we make excuses for boys as well. You know, boys will be boys. I'm like, that's such mm. an excuse for bad behaviour. And I used to work mm-hmm. in schools and also as a performing arts teacher. And you encounter lots of different types of boys. Obviously, when you do that, and you're not just with your own boys or boys that you know. Mm. And, you know, oh, boys will be boys. No, no, he pushed a girl over in the playground. That's not boy being boy at all. Mm. He was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, boys will be boys. And he's like, no, he made a mess. Like, that's, that's that's annoying. I've got to clean it up now. And I think there's a culture at the moment we raise girls to be more than they are, you know, and it's, a, it's you know, break through that glass ceiling and there's not really an alternative in place for boys because boys already don't have a glass ceiling. So I was really worried actually when I found out River was going to be a boy. I was like, how do I raise him to still be competitive and ruthless and mm. want to always do the best that he can do without raising him to be a dick? Because mm. he's already going to have a degree of privilege. He's white. He's mm. male. Obviously, mm. I don't know if he'll be gay or straight, but let's assume straight. He's going to be pretty privileged to start mm. off with. So I need to make sure that he's still ruthless, but also understands that. And that's such a tough thing because with girls, you almost yeah. don't, you almost just go, just break the glass ceiling, you know, yeah. Yeah. smash yeah. the patriarchy. Yes. And I'm like, how do I tell a boy to smash Challenge the patriarchy? It yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. it, I can't really tell yeah. River to do that. I need the world to tell their sons to do that. 
so that my son can do it you know it's such a tough one but yeah yeah, I'm just I'm very passionate about kind of smashing these gender norms on the head and again I could talk about that for hours and hours and hours yeah (laughs) but um (laughs) I just wanted to create a line of clothes that anyone could wear and that they weren't bright and colorful because I wanted to create t-shirts that were either black or white with the design because then I want the kid to dress themselves I'm going to wear my t-shirt that's a small friend and then I'm going to wear it with my leopard print leggings and my tiger print boots and my flowery hat and then another Mm. kid will go well I'm going to wear it with my football shorts and my scarf and just dress themselves Mm. I want the clothes to be a base that you know still has a little bit of something about them and that they can match with a sister or you know their mum or their dad or whoever but they're also they can fully imprint upon and then the next day be someone totally different what's the six stand for uh, what's it so mean? the six is the extra six days that he decided to hang around before he decided he'd vacate oh no oh, i'm lovely. never ever gonna let him forget that he went over the due date <laughs> in my yeah. life both Absolutely. of mine were born at 42 weeks so i feel your pain i was so worried I about being induced that i was like we can get you out come on <laughs> ironically because i didn't want to go to the labor ward and look where i ended up anyway <laughs> yeah so there best we are. laid plans eh always yeah <laughs> Melissa, finally, we want to ask you the question that we always ask all our guests at the end of the show. If you were to write a note going out in a mother box to a brand new parent with your best bit of advice on it, what would it say? Stick to your guns. Don't let anyone touch your baby if you don't want them to. Don't let any health visitor tell you that your kid's not meeting the standard that they want. Don't let anyone tell you that you're doing something wrong when it feels really right. Just Mm -hmm. stick to your guns. If something feels good, do it. If something doesn't feel good, stop doing it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, darling, for joining us today. Yeah, it's been thank you. There's been a lot of lols, I'm I gonna know. be honest. I know. I know. <laughs> See, I this know. Is, you've got a little cheeky bit of the old Melissa because River's asleep downstairs. And as luck would have it, he literally hasn't woken up. It, like extra thank you, because I know how precious that free yeah, time no, is. So it's we fine. Really do I literally it, we're sat in the garden doing nothing. So <laughs> it's a nice day. <laughs> really so loved good. it. Thank, thank you. you. Amazing. Thanks once again to the wonderful Melissa Suffield for joining us today and talking so honestly and with humour about her motherhood journey. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about the work that we do, look out for our books, The Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums and The Little Book of Self-Care for Mums-to-Be, where we will talk further about birth, parenthood, relationships and much more. We've really enjoyed this episode. We're sure that you will have your own stories of your bubbers and their love for our partner this season, Sophie Le Giraffe, and we would love for you to share them with us. Send us your photos and your stories to our Instagram at Notes from the Mother Box, and don't forget to tag at Sophie Le Giraffe UK on Facebook and Instagram to share your pics with her too. Join us again next week for more chats with another amazing guest. See you next time on Notes from the Mother Box. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.